This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the program where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company, and we do so with happy smiles on our faces. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and I started DisneyFilmProject.com, where we do the same thing. We talk about the Disney movies, we watch them, we do all kinds of fun stuff, so go over there and check it out. Uh, But to do a podcast, you know, you can't just have me. Because that would be boring. You don't want to listen to me. You want to listen to people who know what they're talking about. And that is not me. But but that is Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at touringplans.com. He is chief technical officer at disneydrivenlife.com. And he's one swell guy. How are you tonight, Mr. Todd? I'm awesome, Ryan. I'm just so awesome. <laughs> yes, we know, we know what you're like. But how are you feeling? Oh, Oh, I'm actually feeling awesome at the moment. We also have with us our fine producer of the program who, who edits this into a semblance of coherence each and every week, uh, and we thank her for that. You can find her over at Twitter at, at Cheryl P3. You can go to about.me slash Cheryl P3, and you can find her writing now at onthegoandmco.com, and she is one and the only Cheryl Perlmutter. How are you, Cheryl? I've been better. I've been worse. Normally, we are joined by one Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can find blogging over at adventuresofbreed.blogspot.com, or you can find her over as an attractions blogger at disneydrivenlife.com. But Bree is working hard, making the cash so she can move down to Disney and join the Disney party that is, that is seemingly ongoing every single day. Uh, so while she is doing so, you can go check out her blogs over at disneyfilmproject.com about this film and the other films. They're posted in the afternoons after the podcast goes up, so make sure you go check that out. Uh, in the meantime, we have recruited many of our friends to join the program because, frankly, Todd and I talking to each other uh, about superheroes like we are going to do tonight could, frankly, get very, very geeky very, very fast. So instead, we have asked other folks to come in and, and join the fun, and we have our frequent guest, uh, friend of the show, also writer over at onthegoatmco.com. That is one, Miss Megan Annunziata. How are you, Megan? I'm doing good tonight. So tonight, as mentioned, we are talking about (laughs) Sky High, the 2005 superhero high school film from Disney. Uh, I I would say it stars Kurt Russell in a return to Disney from his computer war tennis shoes days, uh, but he's not necessarily the star of the program. Uh, he is he, he's sort of a supporting character, along with Kelly Preston, who plays his wife. Uh, but the focus is on the kids who, who join Sky High, the high school for superheroes, where they learn how to uh, become superheroes. The concept you may have seen many times before in comic books, uh, but this is probably one of the first times we've seen it on film. Well, Disney tackled it before, actually, in, two, in the year 2000. They did a TV movie called Up, Up, and Away. Did you ever see that? Okay. Sherman Hemsley. 
Yes. With Sherman Helmsley? Yes. Really? Seriously? Wow. Okay. Yeah, he plays the grandfather, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 actually the same basic premise of the movie. Really quick kid doesn't have superpowers. His parents and the rest of his family are all super, former superheroes, and they all think and he fakes having superpowers to the point where he actually has like a supervillain battle. There you go. Yeah. The weakness is the best weakness oh. ever. Yes. All, all superheroes in that particular universe have a weakness mm. to being wrapped in aluminum foil. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. You know what happens when you start chewing on aluminum foil, so I can only imagine when you get wrapped in it. You know, yeah. That's just horrible. Mm. All right. So Sky High was uh, directed by Mike Mitchell. Uh, who, who did the movie, uh, I believe, as, you, as we had discussed before we started recording, Todd, because he is also a giant geek. He is. I mean, he, he had four reasons for doing this movie. It, he was, uh, he, it, they are Wonder Woman, Snake Plissken, Ash Williams, and Frau Blucher. Oh, I'm really not sure how to pronounce her name, but, you know. It, who, who, in order, are um, the, the actor or actress that's playing those characters in this, is in this movie, Linda Carter, Kurt Russell, Bruce Campbell, and Cloris Re- Leachman are all in this movie in some capacity. They, yes, they're all in this movie. It's, it's hard to say because – so the movie is about the kids, and they are the central characters, but there's a supporting cast that is hugely famous, right? Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston, we mentioned, are the mom and dad of the main character. Um, we mentioned Bruce Campbell, Cloris Leachman. Uh, we have two members of Kids in the Hall, Kevin McDonald and Dave Foley, who play teachers at Sky High. We have a just a huge cast, a supporting cast. You mentioned Linda Carter, uh, Wonder Woman, of course. Uh, all of whom are, are in the movie but don't play central roles, which is kind of a little bit odd, considering their fame. We also have two Star Wars, two different Star Wars references in the movie. I know one. Patrick Warburton does the voice of Royal Pain when Royal Pain is fully armored. Patrick Warburton? Yeah, he really does. Who is a Star Wars Hello, connection my name because is of Patrick? That's I'm right. <laughs> Megan has <laughs> her sword. Didn't but I was going to talk about one. Star Tours. Okay, where, Star Tours. Where he, does, yes. where he currently does two different characters on Star Tours. And the one that Todd did not know is Tom Kenny was also the um, one and a half of the couple that gets to, that gets their house saved. Okay. By Will at uh, the end. At the, very, at the very end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And his connection. I know. Stop. I know him. He is yeah. um, Newt Gunray. Ah. Uh, Star Wars: uh. The Clone Wars. And he and he's best known as. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? SpongeBob. Thank you, Cheryl. SpongeBob SquarePants makes an appearance in the movie. It's it's a cameo-filled film about kids that you probably didn't know before you watched the movie. Fair to say? I think that's fair to say completely. Yes. Uh, but that does not make it bad. It is, it is though, I would say, a by-the-numbers high school film. In fact, watching it through this time, the the movie that I would compare it to the most is High School Musical Two. Okay, because it's very it's very similar. In uh, we have a young protagonist who is struggling with something and loses his way uh, with the popular kids, turning his back on his uh, less than popular friends, only to discover that he needs to be with his less than popular friends in the end. Hmm. 
I suppose I can see that where basketball players are the popular friends and right. the the popular high school kids are the not popular friends. I completely right. see that. Although oh, yeah. Sharpay was not the villain <laughs> totally that makes sense. Although Sharpay was not the villain that Royal Payne is, I have to say that. She might have done a better job. Yeah, she would have. <laughs> I I think that, that would have been awesome in that role. I, I they they targeted two main themes to keep up the whole high school attitude, right? Because this is a kids' movie, like you said, and it's a high school movie, right? So to keep that going, they they targeted the fact that all the adults will be insane. And thus there'll be caricatures of what their actually role, roles are supposed to be, and that the girls are always smarter than the boys. And, and they accomplished both. They really do. I have to say. An, an interesting uh, piece that I read is that uh, – did you know they had to have a wardrobe change because of DC Comics? I, I did hear about this. But go ahead. Yes. So Linda Carter plays the character Principal Powers, who is the sky-high school principal. Okay, and it her powers are just she turns into a glowy thing and flies around, right? But apparently she's actually turning into a comet, from what I read online. Okay, and I didn't really understand why she's principal powers or whatever, but I'll let that all go. Uh, She she was originally supposed to have as part of her costume gold bracers, okay, which are you know bracers are they look like bracelets almost, but they tend to be bigger and they're what Wonder Woman normally uses to deflect bullets. And Linda Carter played Wonder Woman and DC Comics says, no, no, you can't do this. But they allowed them to keep in the Wonder Woman reference that she makes. Um, and there's a... There, now, you might say, why is DC Comics allowed to get involved? Somebody? Somebody. Why is DC Comics allowed why? to get involved? Okay, so we go. What, what some people <laughs> listening to this podcast might not realize is that there are two... Well, they probably realize this much. There's two major complex companies, DC Comics and Marvel. Okay, Marvel is currently owned by Disney, but at the time this movie came out, not owned by Disney. Okay, so they had to any superhero movie that is not uh, owned by either DC or Warner Brothers or at the time Marvel has to be put under the scrutiny of both those companies to see that they're comfortable with everything that's going on inside of it because together they collectively own the trademark to everything superhero. Literally right down to the word, every permutation of the word, whether it's hyphenated, not hyphenated, with a space, without a space, upside down, diagonal, doesn't matter. They get to have their nose in it at this time frame. Nowadays, Disney could probably just get away with doing it because they own Marvel. Um, so, I imagine that the characters would be a little bit more Marvel-based superheroes as opposed to having you know, like Wonder Woman and other characters in this movie. Yes, they are uh, what I would call the more lighter, fair superheroes that uh, DC tends to do, and even though they just revamped all their characters, still fail to do anything but more lighter, happier characters. I, I, I mean, I realize that Batman is a very brooding individual, but let's face it, not nearly as angsty as like reading in a comic book of X-Men. <laughs> True. Well, that dep- depends on who's writing him, but yes. Yes. I would imagine if, if if Disney did this movie today, it would be called Avengers Academy because they have a comic of that name right now. I would not be doing our friend Kev, Kev justice if I do not also if I do not defend that Archie Comics is also a leading brand in the comic book industry. Oh, so I agree with that, but they certainly don't have any rights to the word superhero. In fact, they as well when they do their um, 
they're pure heart, evil heart comics. See, I know all my superhero stuff. Okay, they actually have to <laughs> run those uh, by uh, DC and Marvel as well. Though DC and Marvel usually just gives them a buy because they've been around a long time. There you go. So this, the script for this movie was written by Paul Hernandez, but it was then rewritten by Bob Scully and Mark McCorkle, who most of you will probably know better as the creators and showrunners for Kim Possible, uh, who gave us the wonderful Kim Possible cartoon on Disney Channel, and which eventually led to the Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure, which is also fabulous. Yes. Uh, and you can definitely be, see their sense of humor. Which is going to be closing. Sadly. Yes. Moment of silence. Continue. All right. Uh, but you can definitely see their sense of humor throughout the movie. I mean, th- th- this is almost an animated film-type gags uh, during during the movie. I mean, like, what, at one point during the movie, there's a point where one of the characters, uh, War and Peace, is throwing fire at the main character, and he's crawling, the main character, Will, is crawling under a table. I just thought, like, this is such a... This is such a Ron stoppable moment right here. Yes. <laughs> I actually it, wrote it, that down when I was watching the movie. Absolutely agree. That is definitely a Ron stoppable moment. It, it, it's, and it, it's funny, right? Because the only thing not animated about this movie is that it's live action. Yes. Very true. <laughs> I think that's a fair safe, fairly safe thing to do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely just a movie about kids going high school that happen to have superpowers and they do an awesome job with it yeah well i mean the whole the whole point of the movie is it's uh we're following the main characters will stronghold who is the son of the commander and Jetstream, played by kurt russell and kelly preston they're they're the biggest superheroes in this in this world and the commander has super strength Jetstream can fly and they team up early on to defeat a robot and you know they're they're just the cat's meow right they're the biggest thing ever and will is their son but the problem is he does not yet have superpowers Yet he is going to sky high the superhero school, so you can see where this will be a problem for him. Uh, he is joined by his best friend Layla, who's played by Daniel Panabaker, uh, who is her power is she can manipulate plants. She she's able to take plant life and make it do what she wants, except for make lemons. Apparently, yes, we find that out later in the movie. She's, yes, she's not able to do that, but other than that, she can pretty much do anything. We're first introduced to her powers. Uh, Without any mention, right? Um, she uh, there's a point where the commander and Jetstream leave them in the kitchen because they get called off by the mayor to defeat a giant robot. Very important stuff. Right. And um, and I love it because the it's they play they play again. There's points where they play at uh, old things, and this is the bat phone, but it's been it's still because it's a red, but it's a cell phone, so it's a modern version of the bat phone, which I kind of thought was clever. And um, she. she they're looking out the window to see if they can see anything, and she kind of just waves her hand across the plants that are in the window, and they all just bloom back to life because they were all dead. And that's when you know she has a yep. power. Um, I also Absolutely. like the comment that she makes about, you, you know how my mom talks to animals? Well, apparently they don't like to be eaten. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, all you vegetarians and vegans out there, there you go. You have justification. In superpowers. You have representation. Yes, representation in this movie. So, Layla and Will go off to Sky High. They are driven there by uh, whom the person that I know is Todd's favorite character in the film. Yes. Ron Wilson, bus driver. That's right. So, Ron 
Wilson, the bus driver, takes the sky-high bus, which basically uh, ex- explodes into the sky off into uh, <laughs> off into in, sky-high, which floats three miles above uh, the city. And once they get there, or on the bus, rather, and then as they're walking into the school, they're introduced to kind of the folks who will become their their table buddies or their friends. We have uh, Magenta, Zach, and Ethan, who are who are their their friends, right? So they're kind of like the the outcast. You can tell just by looking at them. Uh, I think that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. they they come to the school, and we're immediately thrown into this like really quick sequence where we find out this this whole world is full of people with powers, right? So right as they arrive at the school, we see. Uh, people who are using their powers in all sorts of fun and interesting ways. Yes. Um, you get to see, right off the bat, you get to see two kids fly in. Then you get to see, rather than rather than one guy, like, tap the girl's rear end, he shoots his laser beam eyes at her rear end, and then she turns around and freezes him and his friend. Um, That's probably yeah. my favorite scene. <laughs> that portion of that scene is probably my favorite. <laughs> We see the the guy and his friend, you know, a few scenes later, where they're still frozen, and they're you can see they've been melting, but nobody's come over to to save them yet. Yep, and uh, we see um, a cheer we see a cheerleading squad, but strangely they all look the same, and then they all kind of all the extra ones disappear into one girl. So, um, and then we see a guy running around with super speed and another guy stretching, and they turn out to be Speed and Lash, who immediately begin extorting the freshmen. Well, because what else would you do, really? Hey. So it should be noted that this is not a superhero school. It is a school for super-powered individuals who have not yet made the choices to necessarily be villains or heroes. That's one good point about this because, you know, they're, you know, we go and we see the different, the different basic characters that you're going to see in every high school film, you know, the cheerleaders, the jocks, the bullies, the geeks, everything. You see all of that, and it's just that they also have superpowers. Right. So that's my favorite part of that scene, aside from the freezing. (laughs) It's the standard first day of high school opening scene that you get in any high school film. So the uh, the sky high bus that because Ron Wilson is the only person authorized to drive superpowered individuals in a bus. Apparently, he like says that in the movie like at least twice. Um, the the bus the bus takes off of this bridge when it, it kind of jumps off a broken bridge, right? That's not actually a bridge. Okay, that's actually the um, the, the that's actually the Devil's Gate Dam. Pasadena, and it the the bridge it's it's it used to have a road where you could drive across the top of it, which is closed now because there there's uh, some law was passed a while ago where you're not allowed to drive on top of the dams anymore. It's like you can't drive on top of Hoover Dam anymore, for example. You can't drive on top of this dam either, and uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't just end like that bridge does. That's done you know with CGI, but it's that's the actual place the bus is driving, and. Um, the library is uh, the um, library at the uh, Cal State University in uh, Northridge. That's the the school. That's the building cool. that they use. Yeah. That. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Cool. So we get these kids, and they are shown to their classes by the aforementioned Glenn Grayson, who is uh, 
spoiler, we've already told you, the, the villain of the piece, but she is showing them around and showing them what's, what's, going, what's going on with the school, and they get ended up uh, with Coach Boom, uh, who is my favorite person in the film. He is. Yes, because he's Bruce Campbell, and Bruce he, Campbell's awesome. Yes, Bruce Campbell rocks. Bruce Campbell is awesome. Also, I'd like to point out that, that Coach Boomer's uh, n- real name is Tommy Boomowski. It, you know, you know what's very clever is one of the when they were um, advertising this movie, one of the things was they made um, trading cards that looked like the um, the um, high, like high school ID cards for all the all the students and all the faculty of the school. Okay, and and so you can and they have like yearbook facts for all of them, which is hysterical. So the the yearbook fact for him is most likely to become a gym teacher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> because because when we first see him, that's what he is, right? He is the gym teacher, and he's uh, asking the kids to demonstrate their powers in order to separate them into heroes and sidekicks. Uh, even though they're not supposed to be called sidekicks, they're supposed to be called hero support. Uh, he he is definitely using the term sidekick and uh, telling them that they need to separate themselves into heroes and sidekicks. So he gets you, you, we get to see a lot of powers on display there. We get to see uh, people come up there and uh, turn into rock giant rock creatures, people lifting cars and such. When, uh, when Will and Layla and their friends get up, of course, we have Ethan who turns into a puddle. That's his superpower. Yep. Such as it is. Uh, we have Magenta <laughs> who turns into a guinea pig. And a purple, a purple guinea pig, or I guess a magenta, yes. or I guess a magenta guinea pig. It has a magenta stripe let's, on her. <laughs> yes, let's not forget that. And we have magenta. Uh, I mentioned magenta. We have Zach, who turns into nothing, uh, but who <laughs> actually uh, glows. And I say that in air quotes that you can't see, but uh, because at the time he does not actually glow. I like he goes he goes I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. If you cup your hands and get close. Yeah. You'll I, see it. He, he he glows uh radioactively but in a very low tech way because he's just got got phosphor powers where he glows like any other glow in the dark phosphorus thing. So <laughs> he glows in the dark. That's his power. Does, does he have to charge up with the sun first? This is my question. You know the old, you know the old glow sticks. You had to hold them up to the light to charge them first. Do you have to do that with Zach? I wonder. I don't know. Well, we, we may never know. <laughs> I think I think these are the unanswered questions we don't know. Uh, so fortunately, Will is spared this. He gets to go to lunch before he has to try to demonstrate the powers that he does not have. Uh, but at lunch, he is stared at by our. our, our Another character that will join the brood, which is Warren Peace that we mentioned before, who is apparently the son of a supervillain who the commander, Will's father, busted at one point, and he is not happy about this and spends the entire lunch just glaring at Will. And man, can that kid glare. Yeah, uh, he is really, really good at the old glare thing. I, It's crazy good. Yeah. Kind of creepy, I gotta say. Yes. And, oh, and his 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 dad is named Captain Battle. Just so. Well, isn't everyone? His mom is actually a hero, not a villain. 
That's right. He is. He is. A, he is from a mixed marriage, as they imply. That's what they're getting. That's the point that they're getting at. But they don't actually come out and say that in the movie. But I thought it was a clever way to approach that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so he's pl- he's played by Stephen Strait, who we have not seen a whole lot since this movie uh, was released. But uh, he he did he does have another Disney connection. Yes. Uh, he, he is married to Lynn Collins, who played Dejah Thoris in John Carter. So there you go. Wow. He he would have made a better John Carter. I gotta think about that. He definitely would have had better chemistry with Lynn Collins as Dejah Thoris. Yep. The whole marriage thing, <laughs> yes. Well we hope so yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you would hope it would be that way. Uh but of course when Will gets back from lunch, uh he does not demonstrate his powers, despite the fact that Coach Boom tries to drop a car on him and tries to throw him against the wall. And he is uh, sent over to Sidekickville. And Layla is also sent over to Sidekickland because she refuses to demonstrate her powers because she's sort of a hippie, cool chick. Yes. Right. Now, one yeah. thing that always baffled me about that scene was that even though Will has no superpowers, when coach boom goes to drop the car on him he goes from standing up to lying under that car not injured at all but apparently that super speed to get to that position is not even acknowledged i i'm not sure he's also like not i mean he's not injured at all like not even like like a bolt fell on him and cut him or anything like that so i think i'm not sure if that's to imply that maybe he is already have powers he just doesn't realize it yet you know or he doesn't understand how to kick them in because they do kind of they do kind of introduce this concept of powering up early on when he and Zach are talking. Yes. And it's it's unclear how necessary that is because it doesn't seem to be something his parents have to do, for example. Right. So, I, you know, I'm not really – and you, it's just an interesting point. But you're right. He's just kind of – he's standing up and then literally as the car falls, he's on his back on the ground. I mean he he moved super quickly for sure. Yes, Absolutely. So then we get him uh, going home, and he, the, the issue that they set up right in the first part of the movie is that Will does not have superpowers. And this is what I thought that the movie would be about uh, and that the struggle from the film would be. Uh, it turns out not to be that way, which I thought was weird because about halfway through the movie we discover that, that Will does indeed have superpowers. So that was sort of odd to me. I don't know if that was weird to any of you guys. Well, I mean, it's important to note that the the problem was not his. He actually was okay not having superpowers, but he thought his parents wouldn't be. And in fact, we learn that his father is basically prejudiced against anyone who doesn't have superpowers. Right, which is why I thought it was weird that it ended up with him halfway through the movie getting powers because he tells his dad off basically, right? He, he, there's a scene we're skipping ahead, but I mean, there's a scene where he tells his dad, like, I'm okay being a sidekick and it's all good and yada, yada, yada. And then the very next day he gets superpowers, which I guess, I mean, I can see the narrative flow of that, of how that could work, right? Once mm-hmm. he comes to accept the fact that he doesn't have them, then he gets them, but he makes a big impassioned speech about how it's not important to have them. And then he gets them and is so thrilled about it. But he doesn't get them immediately. It's He has to be in a stressful situation for them to occur. 
True. And I think that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's it's not like, you know, the other kids where, you know, and, and Zach talked about powering up. It's not like that here. It's that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a stressful situation. Like, he's in this he's in this battle. I forget which one which one is which. But and then he learns he has the power. Sure. So um so it's not like you know, it's not a, it's not like instant gratification. Yeah. Well, yeah, well no, I get that. Yeah. Right before he talks to his dad he, he has a moment with the school nurse who is played by Cloris Leachman, who's nurse specs. And because uh, she has vision powers, folks, and big Coke bottle glasses. Awesome glasses. I wrote awesome glasses. <laughs> um, yes. So she doesn't want to be the one. She, she first mentioned she doesn't want to be the one to tell the commander that his son doesn't have superpowers, which I thought was like really like people like fear this guy, even though he's a hero, which is kind of sort of funny in a way or ironic I, is what I mean when I say funny <laughs> in that case. Right. Um, but um, she tells uh, – she's been around for a while, we learned, too, because apparently she was a school nurse when her parents were in school because she tells this anecdote about her father kicking her through the wall <laughs> as, as a drop line. But, it's, but these drop things are throughout the whole movie. And then she goes to this whole thing about genetics where you know, you know people with one parent who is a super, they may or they may not get up power with no you – know, whereas – you know, two normals, they always have normal kids unless those kids fall in a toxic, a, a vat of toxic slu- radio or sludge or radioactive waste. She goes in that whole conversation. And then she mentions, but um, usually kids who have, who come from two superpower parents like he does usually end up with powers, right? So he should, she's trying to apply to him that she shouldn't be too worried, but at the same time, to every rule, there is an exception. And that exception happens to be Ron Wilson. Ron Wilson. Bus driver. That's right. <laughs> because we learned that Ron's parents are both superpowered, but Ron has never developed superpowers himself. Correct. And then, then he goes home with all this wonderfully conflicting information. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I just – and I get, I get the, the flow of it. Like, like Cheryl's saying, his powers don't come out until he's actually attacked by Warren Peace, right? Warren's throwing fire at him in the scene that we talked about earlier that's sort of a Ron-stoppable moment, and that's when he sort of discovers his super strength. But it's just it, – it, it's bizarre because – so right after he comes back the first day from school, he, the, the commander, his father, shows him into the secret sanctum. Which I have to say is a really cool name for a superhero layer that I haven't heard before. <laughs> I was impressed. They, they have bat poles. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They do have bat poles. Uh, and he can't use his, his dad's bat pole either. <laughs> it's just funny because like, his dad's you know so possessive of his own, like having his own bat pole. And he's like, no, you have to use your mother's. <laughs> Right. So here's here's the important thing, right? They have to they fly, right? Well, or she flies and then she carries him, right? And she carries him quite effortlessly because she doesn't look like you know she doesn't have apparently have super strength. That her superpower is just that she flies. So it's kind of impressive yeah. she carries him so effortlessly. But that's beyond the point. Um, so here's the thing, right? Batman and Robin, their bat poles, put their costume on, they go down the poles, and then they exit through the bat cave. Correct. This is just their basement. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> they they got to go back upstairs to leave. 
<laughs> yeah, that that is kind of bizarre. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> that, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. That's a good point. Very good point. Um, uh, go ahead. One important plot point that occurs here is that um, earlier in the movie, they, I mentioned they flew off to go defeat a giant robot. Uh, so as is typical for superheroes, especially the Batman, okay, he, um, he collects a piece off of the giant robot, which happens to be one of its eyes. And he is – even though he's trying to set up a centerpiece, which I thought was hysterical, by the way, because <laughs> he's seen yes. He's he's preening at the electrical wires hanging out of it to make them kind of like look nice, and she throws it to him to take downstairs with them, and he kind of just puts it up on one of the pedestals. But then we kind of realize that the camera inside of the eye is still live. Yes, because and, because at that point we get introduced to the 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 wonderful and uh, uh, crazy royal pain voiced by Patrick Warburton, who is the main villain of the piece. Yes. Uh, um, not to mention, not to mention her sidekick, Stitches. Yes. <laughs> who is hysterical. Hysterical, but has the superpower <laughs> of annoying. Yes. But, okay. So you, you may not, you may or may not have done uh, the the research on this. Do you know who Stitches was? The actor. Yes. Um. I'm not really familiar with the the actor himself. All right, it's his name is Jim Rash. So yeah. you probably do not know Jim Rash. You probably don't know um, any of his acting roles. So this is one thing that he did. He also was Fenton on that '70s show, and he was in the last episode of Friends. If you watch the Academy Awards this year, you might have seen Jim Rash. Because he won an Academy Award for The Descendants. He wrote that movie. Oh, very cool. Okay. <laughs> so to go from Stitches to winning an Academy Award, <laughs> I have to say it's probably one of the most bizarre transformations I've ever heard of in the movie business. Y- yeah. Um, what, what, but like you said, we're, we're introduced to Royal Pain kind of two two different ways in this scene, right? One is through the computer eye. We know that someone is watching them in the secret sanctum through the computer Correct. eye. And we know that it's it's a shadowy figure and Stitches. But we don't know that his name is Stitches at that point. In fact, you don't actually get told his name is Stitches until almost the end of the movie, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but but uh, the commander tells a story about... Um, Royal Pain, because Royal Pain is, is it's his most memorable they're talking about the weapon called the Pacifier that was Royal Pain's weapon he has, we learn that he has no idea what it does because it, it never got used by Royal Pain because Royal Pain was basically a guy that, he, what he thought was a guy, we learn that's different later that he fought once okay, and then this, and the guy disappeared when the gun blew up essentially, and but what's important there is that's the day that the commander Jetstream met and the first time that they fought together, and then they ended up married, and then Will came along. So that's why he's relaying the story to Will. Yes. And that's, what, that's what's happening right after Will's first day, because instead of Will telling him that he does not have superpowers, uh, he gets taken to the Secret Sanctum and told all these great stories about the, uh, the olden days of the Commander in Jetstream. So he kind of geeks out and forgets to tell his dad that he doesn't have superpowers. Yes. <laughs> 
Can, can I say that Kurt Russell does awkward really well? He really does, which is kind of weird, right? <laughs> I mean, because he's really one of the coolest actors on the planet when you think about it. But here he is, and he's just really good at delivering the awkward. Because that whole, I like, he goes the three of us fighting crime together, side by side. And then he pauses, and it's just like it's just like that perfectly extra long pause that, to the point where you're like, okay, say something. And then he goes by side. <laughs> Right, there's three of them, and he really didn't know what else to say. <laughs> um, is, the pacifier also could be a weapon against Ryan because it's also a movie that oh, Diesel never oh. reviewed. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Yes, Vin Diesel not in this movie. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. So Will is lumped in with the sidekicks, and we already talked about the fact that he tells his dad off, you know, in in their ha- in his house when the sidekicks have come over uh, to study, and he tells his dad that you know I'm not interested in you know having superpowers. But then we have a confrontation between he and War and Peace, where he finds out that he has super strength, and it's at this point that we get we go down the High School Musical two path, right, where he becomes in with the popular kids because Gwen Grayson all of a sudden is interested in him and wants to to be his friend. She is trying to, you know, influence him as he goes into Mr. Medulla's class, who is played by Kevin McDonald, formerly of Kids in the Hall, um, out of Ameri- Mr. Boy's class. Yes. Uh, played by the <laughs> wonderful Dave Foley. <laughs> really my favorite character in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something awesome about his delivery on the character, and I don't—I don't just mean his 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 line delivery. I mean everything, all the sight gags that he's doing, all that stuff are amazing. The costume changing scene is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And one of the important things about the sidekick class that we learned—I don't think we've brought it up—is that um, the the teacher for that was the sidekick for the commander. Yes, Mister Boy. Yes, he was. When they finished high school, he was assigned to the commander. Yes, he was all. And of American. course, the commander can't even remember his name. That's the commander doesn't even remember him until the end of the movie, <laughs> right. basically. But but yeah, so he he's all American boy, and this is this is great because he he uh, uh, this is what I'm talking about with the psychic things where he does the little dance. In, as Mr. Boy, and then he ducks under the under the desk and comes back up as all, in his all American boy outfit. Yes, <laughs> I mean it's just like it's like just so awesome to watch, and I don't even know why. It's just like I just get such a kick out of it. Um, but um, like like you were saying, it's it's good because he you can tell he's a little upset that Will never heard of him because apparently Will and the commander Jetstream never mentioned him to Will, and that's very funny. And then it just goes to this whole thing with the hero. I, like, I called it the hero support montage. I wasn't really sure what else to call it. Yeah, because <laughs> they're they're getting to learn they're they're getting to learn about their utility belts is basically what it the whole montage is. Which is which is amusing, no doubt. Yes. Uh, and the costume change, not just the utility belt, but how to change into your costume. That's right. Quick change practice in the gym class. Yes. <laughs> but but what ends up happening is, uh, you know, Will 
has been ignoring Layla to some degree, even before he becomes a hero. And he, he, he says, well, why don't we go get Chinese food tonight? And she says, well, but you don't like Chinese food. And he says, but you do, which gives her hope. Because if we haven't mentioned it already, Layla is madly in love with Will. And it's pretty evident from the get-go, right, it, that, that she's, she's got a big crush on him. So the problem is, is that Gwen shows up at his house and makes him forget about it, not in an evil way, although she is quite evil. Uh, just the fact that he's sort of smitten with her, he forgets to go have dinner with Layla, which is not a good thing. That That is bad for him. Uh, that, that does not turn out well for him in the long run. Uh, because he, he goes to school the next day and Layla sort of gives him his comeuppance. Uh, but instead, he he gets Gwen to go to the homecoming dance with him. Uh, so he thinks he's got it made, even though his former sidekick friends are no longer his friends. Uh, Gwen then sort of tricks him into having a party at his house. And we see that he allows her into the secret sanctum because he's trying to make time with her. But his dad said there is one rule to the secret sanctum before he showed him the secret sanctum. Yes. And let me say secret sanctum one more time. You don't take people into the secret sanctum. But you, you, know, what you, you know what you skipped over, though, is the very entertaining superpower use in the, in the game called Save the Citizen. That, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing is just, you know, at this point in time, Will's now in the hero coursework and... Um, he gets challenged by the original hero people. The the stri- I forgot their names already, but the ones it, who were bullying people at the first it, scene. It's, it's lashing. Um, yeah, he gets challenged to save the citizen by them, and then he gets paired up with War and Peace, which you know the two of them just did not want to work together, and it turns out in the end they figure out a way to work together and they save the citizen. And they do well working together, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, what, one thing we learn that's definite, that's evident about Will up until this point of the movie is that Will is, um, he's got the makings of being a hero because he's got a lot of heart, right? And that's kind of sort of a very important part of uh, being a hero, as we learn in a movie called Hercules, right? <laughs> right. Um, the, yes. Well, what, so... At this point, we learn that the even though this even though he's supposed to be saving the citizen, in reality, the citizen is just a dummy being dangled over a people shredder. I don't know what else you call that. <laughs> I, I don't know what else you call it. And um, but uh, Warren is actually in real danger because after Will defeats uh, Lash by tying him to a pole, which was really a great way to defeat a, a stretchy guy, I thought. Um, and he makes a big bow out of him. That's what I kind of like, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at, at that point, um, Speed is running a vortex around um, Warren, which is a classic move that the Flash always does. Uh, there's there's two ways a vortex goes. Either the air goes up or it goes down. Okay, If it goes up, it can... Um, it can sh- launch the th- whatever's inside the vortex up, but if it goes down, the oxygen all goes down away from the person's face, and they can suffocate. And that's what he's trying to do in this case. It's a difference between clockwise and counterclockwise against the rotation of the Earth. Whole things like that, I bet I don't completely understand, but 
Getting um, way too scientific for me. There is there is science involved in the whole vortex thing, uh, because the Flash is a scientist. Sorry. <laughs> I just think it was that. And the important thing is, since they're taking away the oxygen from War and Peace, he's not able to use his super fire superpower, which is you know to create fire and you know his yes. arms go and all he's flaming. Also, he's also in danger because he's. I mean, you could actually die. Right, so Will yeah, goes to say, Will makes an opportunity play to save Warren by just he and he does this thing that I I just love is he he kind of reaches in and manages to somehow grab speed, which again leads me to think that he maybe he does have like a super speed power again in there because again that's another point where he would have had to be able to move quickly in order to do that and time that right. Um, and so he reaches and grabs Speed, who hasn't doesn't really seem to realize that he's been grabbed because he's still like running in midair. And then he and then he drops him and sets him off to run directly at Lash, which I thought was a, also clever use. And then he picks up Warren off the ground and throws him at the citizen to save the citizen in like the last few seconds of the uh, of the game, and they win. Uh, this is the win is important for two two reasons: one, Lash and Speed have never de- been defeated before, and two. They're freshmen, and freshmen have apparently never won this game before. Yeah, and the commander commends him for that, you know, for being the only freshman to win. So, I mean, his dad is really on board with this point. You know, he's, like, really excited about Gwen being there. Mom's really excited about Gwen because she's a technopath, and she fixes the garbage disposal. So she's really happy about that, too. Uh, In fact, the only people who really are not happy with him is uh, is Layla and the sidekick friends. But um, so so back to the secret sanctum where where we were a few minutes ago. The in the secret sanctum, he lets uh, Gwen in, and we see running quickly behind him is Speed, who steals the pacifier. So it's at that point you probably are getting the inkling that something is up with Gwen and what's going on because then when she goes back upstairs, Layla shows up because she sees that there's a party going on and Gwen and the freaky cheerleader and the others confront her and basically tell her that she doesn't belong there and that Will's a hero and she doesn't need to associate with him anymore, which Layla doesn't is hurt by but uh, also says she doesn't ever want to see him again. Right. And uh, this is all important because it plays into um, an earlier thing where she was at the Paper Lantern, right? And uh, we learned that Warren apparently works at the Paper Lantern. I thought that was kind and of apparently odd. speaks Mandarin too. Yeah, it, it was it was like <laughs> odd and out of place just him even working at that place. But I'm fine with it. But it was just like unexpected the first time I see it. Now I see it coming every time I see the movie. Apparently she's the only person left in the restaurant, so he sits down and has this conversation with her, even though he apparently doesn't like her. Yes. <laughs> I, it's, it's odd. The, the motivation is very strange at this point in the movie, okay? But, uh, but you, you well, kind of... Let, sort of... Let, let's be honest. Let's be honest, Todd. Sorry to interrupt. The motivation for everyone is a little strange throughout the movie. Right, because even the sidekicks who want to be heroes, even after Will's big speech about you know being a sidekick is okay, like at the end of the movie when they have their chance to be heroes, they all hesitate for a second. You know, I mean, like motivations are a little screwy. You know, my big goals, conflict, and motivation, and, the, and it it's it's laid out pretty clearly. Like Megan says, it's a typical high school movie. Everybody wants to be the popular kid, which means the hero. But the goals, conflicts, and motivation are a little wonky throughout the whole movie. But that's okay. I mean, it, it works, but it's just a little strange. True. 
Um, he's very, very nice to her, though, which, which up until this point, you're led to believe that he's ni- not a nice person, right? Because let's face it, the two prior right. scenes involving Warren, right? Actually, there's like four prior scenes, right? Um, there's, he gets, he's staring down Will. He bumps into Will a couple of times in the hallway where he never says anything but only still stares at Will. Okay, and then there's the battle in the cafeteria. And those are the four prior scenes with Will, with, with Warren, right? Not, uh, not any, anything implying that he's a nice guy. But then this scene comes along, and suddenly you have a whole different picture of him. Okay? It, and, and that's right. fine, because this is, this is very common, especially in a high school movie, is a tough guy is actually always a nice guy. Right? Like, like uh, he reminds yeah. me of a character, and I think we probably mentioned this in this episode, in that episode too, the prom episode. The prom episode. Do you remember prom, Ryan? I, I, I sadly, yes, I do remember prom. I prom. Never saw it. The guy who plays the glow guy is actually in prom. Plays what guy? The glow. Yes, the Zach. glowing guy. That's that's all right. The guy who plays Zach is actually in prom. But let's. <laughs> that's that's actually a good point. <laughs> Perhaps his first and his last <laughs> high school mo- movies. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the character, the main character there, reminds me of uh, the main male character there reminds me of uh, Warren a lot. Very similar characters, but that's common. And again, that whole transformation thing that from the bad boy to the good boy thing that goes on. And so he's really nice to her. He tells her a nice thing. He, he does that thing with the with the fortune cookie, which is where he where he he kind of like offhandedly reads her the fortune cookie, and she thinks he's like the most introspective person in the world. And he goes, "No, fortune cookie." <laughs> yeah. So. But um, this leads her to even before the party to um, he he, convi- he convinces her to tell Will that she loves him, right? And then the ne- but unfortunately at this point, um, by the time she sees Will again, Will has already been forced to ask Glenn to homecoming by Gwen. Does that make sense? Yes, that's that's a good way to put it. Yes. Okay, <laughs> right, that's kind of sort of how that went down. Um. Uh, yeah. And so he says, I'm going to homecoming, and I'm going with Gwen. And she's like – so she makes up that she's going with Warren, okay? And so then there's she has whole, to break the news to Warren, though. That's right. In in what is a really great, awkward scene at lunch. Because uh, the lunch scenes are probably the best scenes in this movie to some degree. Yeah, well, they're the most high school, right? They're the most high school type scenes. <laughs> But uh, the important thing is, is Warren is not on board with the whole homecoming thing until he goes, until Will walks by and he goes, "Oh, you're doing this to get back at Will," and he says, "I'm in." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he so, doesn't like Will, not at right. all. No, and uh, and the reason why I, I went back to all that is because it's important because two seconds after, um, Layla gets basically thrown out and and cast off by Gwen and Penny is um, Will shows up and is actually excited that Layla's there, but she tells him off and then storms out of the party, like you said. At which yeah. point he goes, what did you say to her? And he breaks, he ends up breaking his date to homecoming with Gwen. Yeah, the night before homecoming. The, the night be before homecoming, out. that's right. Yeah. Which makes sense, because it's I, the beginning of the school year and homecoming comes very quickly in the beginning of the school year. Right, and she and she has this moment of disbelief, like you can't dump me, <laughs> which I thought was was pretty amusing because it's like you know, 
he he can do whatever he wants, but she she just can't imagine, you know, that that he actually dumped her. Actually, so I had a problem with that, right? Because I mean, okay, I get it was part of her plan, right? But she seemed right. very upset that he did it, and she's his arch enemy. It's kind of like the pretty popular girl saying, "You can't dump me. I'm beautiful." Kind of that I, character. I, I get it, but I don't. But she's got a plan, so she doesn't really. At this point, she's already invited Commander and Jetstream to come. They've already accepted her plan. Can already go off, right? And right because she's actually out to get them, not so much Will. But as by by relation, she's Will's enemy. So why does she care at this point in the movie whether Will's dating her or not? She's her everything. Her whole fake world of high school ends the next night because she's going to reveal that she's royal pain, and either it's going to succeed or fail. Like I said, motivations are a little weird in this yes. movie. <laughs> so, I, I mean, because at this point, she should have said, "Oh well, I don't really need him." Yeah, but that's not what she does. No, no, she freaks out. She does. But so Will does not go to the to the homecoming dance while his parents do. And at the dance, uh, Gwen reveals that she is royal pain, uh, and she whips out the pacifier along with Stitches, the Academy Award winning screenwriter, and turns everyone into babies. I was gonna say she turns everyone into Vin Diesel. No. <laughs> Although that would have been amusing if she's like, here's the pacifier, and Vin Diesel popped out of the podium. That would have been kind of cool. So while Royal Pain, like you said, is busy turning everyone to babies, Will is still at home. So he's thumbing through the yearbook that his mom lent to him, and he starts looking at all the pictures because he's trying to just you know cheer himself up, right? And after all, Coach Boomer in a mullet would cheer anybody up. So Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he, he something about the Sue Tenney photo he no, he notices, right? Because now he's he's got uh not being in love with her anymore or infatuated with her anymore, I should say. Uh he's got the clearer picture of Gwen and he starts he flips through her yearbook picture and then starts to look through the yearbook figures out that she was in science class and then sees a picture of Sue Tenney standing there in science class with the pacifier in her hands, and apparently her parents have never figured this out. His parents have never figured that. Yeah, weird. Weird, huh? Yeah. But, you know, considering how, it's, how, how science class, she wasn't considered a real hero because that was, you, you find this out in a little bit, okay? But she goes through her whole um, villain exposition. As we know, uh, what do they call it in Incredibles? They call it monologuing, right? Where she, she tells her entire story and her reason for why she's doing what she's doing, right? What you find out is that when she went to school, she was relegated to being a sidekick because that nobody knew what a technopath was back then because there wasn't a lot of technology back then like there is today. So she wasn't able to use her powers to their fullest at that point in time. And she ends up in science class, and there's a picture of her, and she must have made the pacifier at that point in time. Hence, there's a picture of her, but because his parents are a little prejudiced against sidekicks and stuff like that, they apparently never looked at that page in the yearbook. Yeah, they kind of, like, wrote her off. I found that... Yeah, I found that kind of weird, too. Yeah. Like, especially when they were looking at the yearbook with with her at that exact same picture... She gets a little uncomfortable when they see that picture, but they don't. No, none of them put it together because at that point, even the parents are infatuated with her, right? Because they're like, "Our son is with this girl." Right. 
You know, they're in a this is awesome <laughs> mode, and she fixed the disposal, remember? Yes, let's not forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Will has to get to the school, and who does he call on to get to the school, Todd? Rod Wilson, bus driver. That's right. Uh, he gets to the school, he has to make up with all of his friends and save the day. Uh, he has to fight Royal Pain while the sidekicks defeat Gwen, uh, or defeat Speed and Lash and, and the cheerleader girl whose name I can't remember. Penny. Uh, but, Penny, thank you. So they defeat all the sidekicks. The sidekicks defeat the villainous sidekicks, who are obviously in on this, this the whole time. Whereas Will then has to fight off Royal Pain, and he gets thrown out of a window only to discover that, of course, he can also fly just like his mother. Which I thought was very strange to, to introduce at the very last minute, but whatever. Fine. I thought it was a great uh, way to introduce flying, though. It reminded me of uh, the, the yeah. it reminded of me of the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, right? Because if you remember in the Hitchhiker's Guide, how do you learn how do you fly? You Do're, fall, but don't don't look at the ground. Basically, you, you, you miss you miss the look ground. away at the last second. That's yeah. right. You fall, but miss go. the ground. And that's kind of what he did. He falls out the window and he flew, so he must have missed the ground. There you go. Perfect, perfect explanation. Yep. Uh, but he manages to defeat Royal Pain. But the problem is she has, um, she has messed with the school, right? She's messed with the anti-gravitational of the school. And this is where Magenta swings into action with her powers and is able to crawl down into the vents and through things as a guinea pig and chew the wires loose, but not before the things almost crash into SpongeBob's house. Yes. Makes you kind of wonder how Royal Pain got it in there in the first place. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it was, uh, I kind of rolled with it. Yeah. It, it, it's it's uh, plot holes. It's I'm, right. I'm going to say, there's, there's, there's several plot holes in the movie, but that's okay. Uh, yes, but we, and then of course Will and Layla make up, they kiss, and, and everybody gets returned to their normal state, and then uh, as Linda Carter is putting the villainous people into detention, she gets to deliver the best line of the movie, which is, oh, I'm not Wonder Woman, you know. But she is. <laughs> but she is. Another funny line in this movie is Kevin McDonald's line, Mr. Peace, I regretly have to inform you I've made a boom boom. <laughs> yes, I love that part. <laughs> I just could you imagine how annoying a baby he would have been? Because let's face it, he is a baby there, and he still has his full intellect. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, not, and he's still annoying. Yes, he is. <laughs> Actually, there was there was some of the that little background plot, but with him and and Boomer, and they go on the double date, and it's with the it's with yes. the, it's with the superhero and her evil twin. <laughs> and, I, and that whole thing, and then they're at the paper lantern. I, I just that whole thing is really funny because it's because it's background, but it, it, it like it it takes place over the course of a few scenes. <laughs> yes, I think the background characters in this movie make it worthwhile to me. Like because him and Dave Foley that we mentioned, Coach Boom, all those guys, I think just just make the movie great because it's. The, the, the lead characters are fun and they're they're okay. That there's just not there's no depth to them. To be honest, that's my probably my biggest criticism of the movie. Their motivations aren't entirely clear, and there's not a lot of depth to the characters. It's 
like like I think Megan summed it up perfectly. It's a typical high school movie. You know, you get introduced to your cliques and your you know everybody right away, and you kind of know how it's all going to turn out. But the background characters, and it's because they're such great actors, I think they just make the movie. I mean, like you said, Kurt Russell's deadpan delivery, his awkwardness, you know, just they have these throwaway lines that are some of the funniest in the movie, and I think that's what makes it um, makes it good. Yeah, I like um, the <laughs> the dig at Batman and Robin that Mister that Mister Boy makes when he talks yeah. about. He, he he talks about how a the colors of a sidekick's costume should never clash with the colors of their hero's costume. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which is a clearly if, if Batman is in the gray and black or gray and blue outfit, depending on which version of Batman you've got, and Robin is in red and green and yellow. By the way, Ron Wilson fell into a vat of toxic waste and now works for the mayor defending the city from giant robots. Just wanted to throw that in there. Yes. <laughs> because you do love Ron Wilson. Bus, bus driver. driver. Former bus yes. driver. Uh, so one other thing to note we didn't we didn't talk about is uh, Michael Giacchino, and I'm saying that wrong, I guarantee you, uh, did the music for this film. Uh, he would then go on to do music for a ton of cool, geeky things. Yes. Those are indie films. Yeah, little, indie little, films. little minor nothings, you know, Incredibles, that kind of stuff. Cars. And, yeah. Cars. Lost. My, you know, one of the greatest TV shows ever. Sorry. <laughs> Space Mountain at Disneyland. Yes. Yeah. If only we were so lucky. Uh, eventually, Todd. Eventually, it'll 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 get there. All right. So Sky High. Let's uh, let's see. What do we think on a scale of one to five? Miss um, Cheryl Perlmutter. What do you think? I think this is a solid four. I mean, I, I I realized I didn't own it, which was an error on my part. But I did, but I should I should own it. I kind of like it a lot. It's you know, it's something that it I I think it's you know I I mean there are, there are shows that you know Disney Channel series have done done better than this, obviously because the technology is now better and stuff like that. But for what it was at the time, I think it's good. Yep, I I would agree. Oh, probably not with the rating, but it is uh, for the time definitely on the special effects a good good showing. Megan, your thoughts? Um, I'm gonna give it a three and a half, and you know, it's one of those ones that if I come across it on like ABC Family or Disney Channel and I see it's playing, I'll put it on. You know, now that I have my hands on a copy of it, I might watch it a little bit more frequently than that. It might be one that I throw on my computer just to have when I'm bored. There you go. Todd, what'd you think? Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a good geeky geek fest type of movie. I kind of, you know, my type of candy. Um, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I get a kick out of it. It's got a high degree of comedy, obviously, because they hired a ton of comedic actors to be in the movie. <laughs> that's right. that's one of the reasons. Um, it's just it's super super enjoyable. Um, I find myself between Megan and Cheryl with a three point seven five. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, it, well, like you said, it's not. 
it's not the best put together movie, but I think for what it's presenting, it doesn't have to be. Right. Exactly. It's not presenting yeah. to be the best. It's not presenting itself to be like Captain America or Iron Man. No, no, not at all. And I think like so for me, it's a, it's a three because it's not necessarily a standout movie. It's not one that I'm going to go out of my way to watch. Like Megan said, if it's on TV and I catch it, I definitely will will check it out just to see some of the cool and fun jokes. Um, and it is a three because it's not trying to be anything more than a four. And I feel like it's not necessarily constructed to be that. Uh, there's definitely some plot issues and some uh, some questions that we I think we raised as we were talking about it that doesn't quite uh, the things that don't quite add up. And and that's always a problem for me, Mr. Plot Guy. But I, it's definitely fun and, and easy to easy to watch. I mean, you know, I put it on today, honestly, not entirely in the mood to watch it. And when it was over, I'm like, oh, that was it. You know, it's it's just one of those fun breezy movies. So, definitely something you wanna you wanna check out if you have not seen Sky High and we haven't ruined it for you by telling you the, the, all the jokes. Uh, there's definitely a lot more in it because it's, a lot, it's very funny and uh, enjoyable. So, until next week, you can keep in touch with us. You can let us know what you think of this show. Go over to DisneyFilmProject.com and you can leave a comment on the show notes there. You can tweet us at Diz Film Project, or you can go over to Facebook and search for Disney Film Project and let us know what you think of the show there. You can keep in touch with all of us on our various and sundry blogging platforms. You can check out Todd and myself over at touringplans.com. Check out Bree's attractions blogs, my film blogs, and Todd's chief technical wizardry over at disneydrivenlife.com. And you can keep up with Cheryl's travails trying to keep this podcast together at about.me slash Cheryl P3. And also, don't forget to check out Magic 24.7. Listen to the box office report sponsored by us here at Disney Film Project. So go over to magic247radio.com and listen to that show so you can check out the box office report. So until next week, folks, keep it watching the movies. There's a lot of red wires down here. Secret Sanctum, now. To let true love remain unspoken is the quickest route to a heavy heart. And your lucky numbers are 4, 16, 5, and 49. In the end, my girlfriend became my archenemy, my archenemy became my best friend, and my best friend became my girlfriend. But hey, it's high school. <laughs> 